Fijn dat u luistert naar de podcast van David Maasbach. We hopen dat u erdoor geïnspireerd en opgebouwd wordt. Colossians 4, verse 2. And it says there, in short, devote yourselves to prayer. We're going to speak about prayer today. And I love to speak about prayer. I speak quite often about prayer because it is a wonderful thing given to us that we can fellowship with the Father through Jesus. We can fellowship with Jesus. We can fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the three in one. It's wonderful to devote yourselves to prayer and to have an intimate relationship with the Father. I'm so happy today for this scripture and also to inspire you to be someone who loves to pray. That prayer will not be a chore for you or a burden for you or just an assignment or a commandment, but that your heart will flow in prayer and thanksgiving and supplication to the Lord. There is so much to pray for. There's so much to thank for. There's so much to praise for. There's so much to be happy for in prayer. Prayer is so intimate with the Lord. You can cry before him. You can laugh with him. You can have a good time in prayer. Prayer is something great and not something that is as an awful assignment that we have to go on our knees and we must set the time apart and we must and we must. No, it's a privilege that we may and that we can. And you know, a very large portion of Scripture is devoted to prayer. A very large portion of Scripture is devoted to prayer. If there is so much speaking about prayer in the Bible, I think God wants to say something to us. And if it's so much in the Bible, I believe it should be evident in also our daily life as a child of God, as a Christian. Yes, prayer in all its different shapes and forms. There are times that you cry unto the Lord. There are times that you just praise. There are times that you are silent in thanksgiving. And of course, There are also those moments that we must wait and listen to the Lord. I just wrote down a few examples, like in Genesis 32, from verse 22 to 32, we read that great story about Jacob, how he wrestled with the Lord. And prayer can be like wrestling with God sometimes. Before we wrestle with people, and I'm not talking about literal, physical wrestling, but I'm talking about as we are talking to them and we are trying to get them to understand the gospel and to understand the love of God and the plan of God for their life. And we are wrestling with them for their soul, for eternity, for their salvation, and for them to receive the Lord and for their whole family to be saved. We are wrestling with them. Before we wrestle with people, with the gospel, that they will accept it, we are wrestling with God in prayer for their souls. Yes, we are wrestling with God for the blessing. We are wrestling with God for breakthroughs, for changes. And I tell you, sometimes prayer can be like a real wrestling match that you feel tired and you're exhausted because, yeah, it's it's such a experience. I'm not talking about just just by yourself in your own wisdom or with your own intellect, but I'm talking about through the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit is inside of you, 
and he's wrestling, he's interceding. We are standing in the gap for this world, for our family, for our parents maybe, our brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, for our own children and grandchildren. Oh, sometimes I wish that people would wrestle more with the Lord in prayer for their future and for the future generations, and that they will not just accept it. You know that one king, I forget his name right now, but uh, the Lord said, so-and-so will happen after you die. And he said, well, it's fine with me because it's going to happen after I die. He didn't care about the next generation. He thought, well, at least I'm free of it. At least I don't have to go through these things Oh, he should have fallen on his knees. He should have wrestled with God. He did something that made God to be angry, to put a punishment there that would become the future generations for his children. And he just accepted it. He said, okay, this is it. It's fine. It's, it's for my children. It's not for me. Oh, dear children of God, let us wrestle with the Lord for the salvation of our seed, of our children, grandchildren, even those that maybe will come, but we don't even know it. It's not in our lifetime, but we can already pray for them. I must think of my mama. She's a real prayer woman, and she wrestled for her children and for her grandchildren. And uh, some time ago, I was talking about it with her, and she was sharing with me how she prayed and wrestled with the Lord for the future generations. And she said, John, oh, I prayed for my children. I wrestled with the Lord until the Holy Spirit put in my heart that it was done. It was done. And then I went to the grandchildren and to the next generation. And I prayed and I wrestled with the Lord for their souls, for salvation, until the Holy Spirit said, it is done. You have it. And she kept wrestling, and she said, Now, John, I am wrestling for the great-grandchildren. Oh, hallelujah for a woman like that. Hallelujah for a man like that. Like my mama. Oh, we owe her so much because of the hours, the countless hours that she spent wrestling with God, that we would be blessed, that we would be saved that we would be healthy, that our children would be healthy and blessed and saved and used by the Lord, and also our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Oh, it goes on and on until Jesus comes back. But we see here in this story in Genesis that Jacob, he did not let go. And there came a moment when the angel of the Lord said, let me go, it's already morning. It's already morning, let me go. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Oh, I like that. And then the blessing came. And he said, from now on, you will not be called Jacob anymore, but you will be called Israel because you will be a prince. Oh, glory to God. There are blessings there for you, my dear friend, for you personally and for your seed, if you will just wrestle with the Lord. And I'm not talking about that name it, claim it stuff. And I'm surely not talking about getting angry to God and, and, and all those things. But, but, but pleading and standing in the gap, standing on the promises and, and in faith, speaking with the Lord and holding on to those things, even if things look so different in the natural. Well, I also must think of Daniel. Daniel, 
He prayed three times a day. Well, I'm sure that all through the day he was in prayer in his mind, in his spirit. Because if you read the book of Daniel, you'll find that this was a man that didn't just have three little set times. And then the other times of the day, he was just thinking of all other things. No, he was a man who was in communication with God the Creator, with God our Father. But he also had those set times, and I like it. It says in Daniel 6, verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he went into his house. And now in his roof chamber, his windows were open toward Jerusalem. And he continued to get down on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. You know the story. I'm sure you know the story. Daniel, it says, he was known as a man in whom the spirit of the living God was. I, I like that testimony. Oh, that's a testimony you and me need to have, that people know that the spirit of the living God is alive inside of us. He was different. We should be different in society, on the workplace, in the family. If we're the only one saved or maybe one of the few that are saved, they should know it. And maybe they cannot define it exactly and they cannot name exactly what is different, but they know there is something special there because we have the anointing of God upon our life, upon our lips, upon the way that we act or react upon things. And so Daniel he was known as a man in whom the spirit of the living God was alive. And he had set times to pray. It's good to have set times to pray and to be faithful in those set times and to prioritize those times. I mean, so easily we can say uh, to a friend or uh, maybe a job or whatever it is, we can say, oh, oh, I can pray another time. Oh, that's not, it's like it's not important. Oh, that person to whom I'm speaking in prayer, oh, he can wait. Oh, he, he don't mind if I come another time. In one way, it's okay. I understand God is always there. We can always speak to him. But on, in another way, how can we just let God wait? How can we just tell him, okay, today I have no time. I'll see you tomorrow or maybe next week when I find some time because now my work needs me and now my hobby needs me, now this needs me, that needs me. You're saying all those things are more important. And you know, so easily we can just skip over our commitment and our promises to God. But that's a wrong thing to do in your life, and that's a wrong way to raise your children. When we say something to God, we mean it, and we must keep our promises to the Lord, because He keeps His promises to us. And so there can be things just ordinary things in life. But in this case, it was not just an ordinary thing. No, it could be fear keeping us from praying because there were people around Daniel that were jealous upon him. And so they devised this whole scheme, this whole plan, how they could get rid of Daniel. And they had the king write out a decree that anyone who would pray to anyone else but the king himself, they would be thrown in the lion's den. And the commandment went forth, and the king, well, he didn't even know what was really going on. He just thought, well, wonderful that they want to put me on that pedestal, and yes, I am important, and yes, I'll sit on that pedestal, and he didn't even know what was going on. 
that it was his friend Daniel whom he loved so much that they wanted to get rid of him. And then finally, oh, they find him praying on the roof and they quickly go to the king and they said, this Daniel, this Daniel, oh, he defied your commandment and he's praying to his own God and suddenly the king realized, oh man, I made a mistake. I didn't know this was behind their their whole beautiful plan. I didn't know this was the actual motivation for them to have me sign this decree. And so the king, he couldn't change it anymore. But you know, the the thing I want to get to is that they told Daniel, you cannot pray anymore. And the devil would love to stop you to pray and to fellowship with God. And he can use so many different things to make us to stop to pray. It can be like I said, worldly things, pleasures, or, or ordinary things of life, just the daily things that take up our time and our attention. But it can also be fearful things or, or, or other things that, oh, we are afraid if we pray in the restaurant, how will the people react? We're afraid if we will pray, oh, how will that family member react? Or if we will pray, how will, how will, how will, how will? And because of all those things, we neglect prayer. But Daniel, it says, he continued in his prayer. He did not let anything stop him from his fellowship with God. He feared God more than he feared man. He was ready to give his life for it. And he was faithful to the Lord, knowing God will honor me when I honor him. My friend, God will honor you when you honor him. So don't let anything stop you in your prayer life. Keep praying. And when the devil wants to stop you praying, oh, pray even more. Hallelujah. When your feelings want to stop you to pray, pray even more. When you're tired to pray, pray longer. Oh, don't let those things stop you because if those things can stop you from praying, they will stop you from receiving the very thing that you need in life, the very miracle and the very breakthrough. Well, I also must think of David, David, of course, David, in a list like this. How could you forget David? David, he, in the Psalms, writes so much about prayer and especially also about thanksgiving and praise. If we read, I just wrote too little, but I could fill many broadcasts with the words of David, of course, but you have your Bible to read it. But in Psalms 55, verse 16, it says, as for me, I shall call upon God and the Lord will save me. I like this. He said, as for me. In other words, you do what you want to do and let anybody do whatever they want to do. But as for me, I made a choice. I made a decision. I will call upon the Lord and he will save me. I don't trust upon horses. I don't trust upon weapons. I don't trust upon those intellectual high people of high society. I trust upon the Lord. And in Psalms 86, verse 12, it says, I will give thanks and praise. Oh, Lord, my God, with all my heart, I will praise you and I will glorify your name forever. Yeah, this was David. David, he had a heart after the heart of God. And in that heart, there was that that, that, that yearning, that longing 
but also that drive and that motivation in every circumstance to lift up his hands and to praise God. Oh, my dear friend, lift up your hands and praise God even when you don't feel like it, even when the circumstances look so desperate and so dark and so impossible Lift up those hands and say, but as for me, as for me, I will call upon the Lord and he will rescue me. He will save me. Yeah. I think of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Oh, people, they were following the Baals and the idols. And, you know, there came a moment that they didn't know anymore. They couldn't speak anymore. Who's God? They'd forgotten the God of their forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were running after these false gods. And, you know, it was going from bad to worse to even more worse with that evil king and that evil queen running the country. And so Elijah, he stands there. And you know what I like about it? He rebuilds the altar. Yeah, you, maybe you need to rebuild the family altar. And I'm not talking about uh, getting stones and building a literal altar in your house. But yet, you must rebuild the family altar. In other words, you must bring back that respect for God in your house. And maybe you must cleanse your house of some of the things that through the years found their way inside, posters, films, uh, videos, uh, books, I don't know, other things, statues that shouldn't be in the house of a child of God. And you must rid your home of those things and you must, must make a holy place where you say, this is the place where we will seek the Lord as a family, as a couple, or if you're alone, alone. This is a house of the Lord, of a child of God where the Lord resides and he rebuilt the family altar. And then he prays that simple prayer. You can read it, of course, in 1 Kings chapter 18 from verse 16 on. And he prays such a simple prayer. And that's what I like about it. He doesn't pray a very difficult prayer. And it's not a very intellectual prayer. And it's not uh, a prayer, you know, that he is putting himself in the front like, Lord, don't let me stand here and, 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 and all this like he's afraid. It's not a fearful prayer. But he says, Lord, Lord, let the people know who you are and that I am your servant and that I'm not doing these things because I myself came up with it to do these things, but I'm doing it because you commanded me to do it. Lord, send fire. Oh, I like those prayers, you know. I'm a person that when I preach or when I'm speaking, I can be very, you know, I can raise my voice sometimes and I get very excited. But I tell you, I know the secret of prayer, that it's not the shouting and it's not just the excitement. No, it's the simplicity and the simple faith by which you come as a child, Jesus says. As a child, you come to the Father. You know, I remember my son, my oldest son, he was so small. And I said, it's almost your birthday. What do you want for your birthday? He said, a horse. I said, we live three high. How can you have a horse in this home? There's no room. He said, just a small horse, Papa. I said, even for a small horse, there's no room. I said, where are we going to put him? He said, well, we can put him on the balcony. Well, I tell you, we could never have a horse on the balcony or in our home. But as a child, he didn't see the obstacles. He didn't see the impossibilities. 
He just saw the desire in his heart. And sometimes, you know, we can say to the child, you're a fool, you're an idiot. What do you think about that? Just think of it, think of it. It's not possible. And you know, so many times we kill the power of God because we say, oh, are you an idiot? This is impossible. This can never happen. And we kill our own prayer of faith. And it's not a prayer of faith anymore. It's a prayer of unbelief. We must come like that child, not thinking of how God will do it. I remember my father, he always told me, he said, John, God will make all things well. And I said, but Papa, how? And he would say, John, it's not up to me to know how. I just need to believe that he can and that he will. And my dear friend, you don't need to walk around with how will God do this. It's not for you to know or to imagine how God should do it or would do it. You just need to believe that he can do it and that he will do it. And just like Elijah, pray on that mountain, Lord. Oh, I see all these idols and darkness and, and, and all these people that don't know anymore who you are. But Lord, just simply send that fire. And it says, fire came out of heaven and God answered and God will answer you. So my dear friend, pray, wrestle with the Lord. Call unto the Lord. Be faithful in your prayer and believe that all things are possible when you pray. God bless you today. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar deze podcast. Wilt u meer preken beluisteren? Ga dan naar message.maasbachradio.com. Bezoek ook eens onze website www.maasbach.nl.